What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Happy Monday. Welcome back from what was hopefully an awesome weekend, or for Heath, what was hopefully an awesome week. And even Schrager was on a little weekend vacation. Everybody's having fun. It is summertime. It's time to get excited about football. Look at a mock draft we did a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, and yeah, here we go. I'm Adam Azer with Dave Richard and Heath Cummings. Welcome back, Heath. Hey, thanks. I missed you guys. Missed you, Aww. too. Yeah. Uh, in your stead, Dan Schneier was on an episode last week. He was on the mailbag episode. He crushed it. He was great. He'll be back yep. on later this week. We have a great team here. Very happy to uh, very happy to be working with you guys. I'm sentimental today, Dave. Are you putting in your two weeks or something? <laughs> Dan Schneier is replacing me. No, no. You know what? Look, <laughs> it's a fun time of year. Um, I actually really like it when there's not a lot of news in the NFL. Oh, uh, the- so you don't want to work is what you're saying. No, this is actually a good time to work. You know, you can dig into some things and and find some. I did did a lot of tight end, not a lot, but I did some tight end research over the weekend. And tight end was a big theme in the mock draft that we did. You know, we had the three, four, five picks. Heath picked third. I picked fourth. Dave picked fifth. Uh, Heath, you have Andrews, right? I took Andrews in round five, right after TJ Hawkinson. Right. So you took Andrews. I took Kelsey. Dave took Kittle. So it was it was important for us to grab an elite tight end or or you know a top six tight end, and we'll see how our teams played out. Also, want to remind you that the link to the mock draft is in the episode description. So if you're watching on YouTube, you'll be able to see the results. Schrager's going to put those up. YouTube.com/slash Fantasy Football Today as we go. If you're listening and you can, please check out the link to the draft. It's in the episode description. All right. Well, here I wonder we'll- I wonder what the weakness is on everybody's team. Uh, that took a tight end early. So what's the weakness on Heath's team? I know what the weakness is on my team. Adam, you took Kelsey so early. There's got to be at least one weakness in your squad. And then uh, another person, Andy Singleton, took Kyle Pitts in round three. What's the weakness in his team? And if there is no weakness, if we truly look over these teams and we don't see a weakness, then I think that that's a sign of a great draft. Obviously, but they're typically if you're going to take a tight end early, especially if you're starting three receivers, there's going to be a weakness there. Can you live with the weakness that you put forth with your team? It's a great question. I, there will be a weakness, but just because you have a weakness on draft day doesn't mean it's going to be a weakness throughout Correct. the course of the season. Hundred percent true. Which is uh, we should get into this a little bit more when we talk about our teams and the tight ends that we took. 
But I think that yeah. that's the give and take that you have with tight end this year is that if you're going to take one early, you're you're going to have to make up for it somewhere along the way, whether it's on draft day or during the season. And, and I will say also, like not always, but for the most part, if you have a weakness at tight end on draft day, Raheem probably, probably going to have a weakness at tight end. That's <laughs> true. The right. That's true. Right. That's a good point. <laughs> All right. Let me read an email of the day. This is not oh, really. Oh, this gets me fired up. Oh, okay. Okay. Cool. Good. Uh, it's from Kyle. Where's Kyle from? I guess he's either from Buffalo, New York, or from College Park, Maryland. Wrong town, wrongville. <laughs> uh, hey, Troy, Lionel, Hank, and Dr. Nick. Heath, do you know them? No. Okay, it's the Simpsons. Yes. Troy McClure, Lionel Hutz. Those are Phil Hartman characters. I'm guessing Hank Scorpio and Dr. Nick. After listening to the entire top five wide receiver show last week, I was shocked at how little respect you are putting on Stefan Diggs's name. He was brought up here and there, but it was largely a debate on which excuse you like more to have <laughs> Tyreek or Devontae number one. <laughs> the problem is Diggs has a higher floor and just as high or a higher of or a higher ceiling in PPR. Uh, he writes a really long email here, so I'll sum it up. Diggs had a lot more catches than Tyreek Hill ever has had. Tyreek Hill has to deal with Travis Kelsey, Diggs does not. Uh, and Kyle expects a little bit more production from the running backs in the passing game in Kansas City, but not in Buffalo. Arguments against Devontae Adams. Is Aaron Rodgers his QB? Really? Are you sure? Um, there's a great a, argument. A that was that was like the the best argument maybe in the whole email. Um, respectable, hold on, hold on. Respectable run game for uh, for Green Bay. And what about his his targets? Uh, yeah, blah blah blah. Eighteen touchdowns, not sustainable. You just blah 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 his email. No, it's a long email. Too long. Didn't read. He wrote. Uh, Diggs is the alpha in a pass heavy offense with an improving quarterback with no competition from running back or tight end. High floor, high ceiling. And then he added a Daniel Jones stat. Jones graduated from Duke University in December two thousand eighteen with a degree in economics. <laughs> So thank you for that. All right. So I look, I think he brings up some good points. Heath does it. Kyle thinks Stefan Diggs should be wide receiver one. Um like first off, the Stefan Diggs has a higher floor and just of high of ceiling when he did last year what Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill have done for each of the past three years does not compute in my head. And I know Tyreek Hill had the, the year two years ago where he had some injuries. But on a per-game basis, in the games that he played a complete game, he was just as good. He's been almost exactly the same guy in terms of fantasy points per game, and that's right around 20.5 fantasy points per game, which is what Diggs did last year. We saw Diggs I, – I, I, you can make the argument that he went to Buffalo and was unleashed and is just going to be this good forever. Um, I would say as a rule – if you have a 27-year-old, 26-year-old wide receiver who bests his career yards by four or 500 yards and catches 30 more passes than he's ever caught, you should not bet on him being that good for the next three to four years. Now, there's, there's a little bit of a change here because he had a new quarterback. But again, Josh Allen took that leap last year. And for the most part, we've seen the young quarterbacks that take that leap don't just continue on that trajectory forever or Patrick Mahomes would be throwing 100 touchdowns per season by now. They they flatten out or they come back to earth just a little bit. The, the two things that really got me fired up, one <laughs> was that Devontae Adams, 
is not going to have is going to find it hard to repeat his 140 plus targets. He had 140 plus targets in 14 games last year. He's been on pace for at least 169 targets each of the past three seasons. Yeah, um, and like 111 and, or more catches each of the last and, three seasons. And I don't really like the fact that Tyreek Hill has to compete with Travis Kelsey. He's had Travis Kelsey on the team each of the past three seasons when he's been every bit as good, if not better, than Stephon Diggs. So I I don't really care about that. It just. And then finally, what if Josh Allen regresses? Well, what if he continues to improve like he has every year since coming into the league? That's just not the way that it works. Like you just don't continue to get better every single year of your career. Yeah, I, but okay, yeah, I agree. Well, but do you think? But the thing is, the only argument for not the only argument, uh, an argument that he didn't even make, I don't think, unless it was in that email, was that Diggs was probably pretty unlucky with touchdowns. I mean, Allen threw thirty-seven of them, and Diggs had what eight? Eight. Whereas Adams had eighteen, and Hill had fifteen receiving and two rushing. So he had like 28% of the targets and 20% of the touchdowns, something like that. Um, that's roughly. Uh, so I don't know. You could see more touchdowns from Diggs. I, I, I would agree, except that like if you're telling me that Diggs gets 166 targets or, or 10.5 targets per game again this year and catches 77% of them like he did last year, um, then yeah, he should score more targets. Or he should That's score cool. more touchdowns. Yeah, but he, it was it was forty. It was twenty percent of the team's touchdowns, not Josh Allen's. Buffalo threw forty touchdowns, and he had eight of them. All right, Dave, you want to weigh in quickly here? I just think there's more upside with Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams catching passes from Aaron Rodgers because we've seen it from them before. We've seen Adams finish as a wide receiver one in PPR two of the last four seasons. It's because of high volume. It's because of a high touchdown rate. Tyreek's got the potential to do it too. We've seen him finish very strong over the past four seasons. Um, certainly not the season where he didn't have Patrick Mahomes the whole year, but outside of that, he's been really good. And Diggs was awesome last year. Allen playing better was a huge part of it. Um, all the hallmarks that I talk about for breakout quarterbacks, it happened there. Josh Allen proved it, and I think that they'll continue to be strong. I like him as my third favorite quarterback to draft. I see him as a pretty safe floor fantasy receiver, but I don't think he quite has the ceiling of Tyreek and Devante, but still a receiver I would love to have on my team when the running backs dry out, when the tight ends are gone in those early rounds. Yeah, uh- to be clear, all all those things I said, I'm still taking Stefan Diggs early in the second round. I'm not nothing bad about Stefan Diggs. I just don't think it's reasonable to say he has a higher floor in the same ceiling as two guys who have done this I'll thing that he them. did last year right. for three years in a row. Okay. Right. I, I just let me just <laughs> <laughs> I think that Heath, you might be holding his Minnesota seasons against him a little bit too much. If if he had just if the only year you ever knew of of Stefan Diggs was his was his Buffalo season, right? Uh-huh. Then they, so you're wanting to hold his Minnesota I'm not holding his Minnesota seasons against him, but like you're wanting to pretend as if his Minnesota seasons just didn't happen at all. No, I mean, look, he was really good in Minnesota. Obviously, he wasn't this good, but he finally had the chance to be the alpha to truly lead the team in targets in a runaway fashion uh with a quarterback who threw 38 touchdowns. Kirk Cousins hasn't done that. Um, and you look at, was, I'm sorry, 37 touchdowns? I keep forgetting. Um, 37. More than 12, more than 12 touchdowns. 37. I, basically, what I'm saying is Mahomes threw, 40, threw 38 touchdown passes. 
Allen threw 37. Tyreek Hill caught twice as many touchdowns as Stefan Diggs. Diggs had a lot more catches. Diggs, I'm pretty sure, averaged more yards per game, right? I mean, Diggs led the NFL in receiving yards. Yeah, he absolutely averaged more yards per game, a lot more yards per game than Tyreek Hill. In terms of yards per game and catches per game, Diggs and Devontae Adams were almost identical. And then in terms of touchdowns, Aaron Rodgers threw 48. We don't expect that to happen again. And Josh Allen threw 37. And even with that gap, you wouldn't expect 10 more touchdown catches from Devontae Adams. That's basically the entire gap between Rodgers and Allen. So what I'm saying is, if this was the only year you knew of Stephon Diggs, I think it'd be pretty reasonable to rank him number one because there is. I think that floor is pretty... I think that's a good point about his floor. If um, it was also the only year of Adams and Tyreek Hill, I would be closer to agreeing with you. But, but it was the it was best the only year for Adams. Diggs, it, and Adams and Hill had done it three years, and Diggs had done it one year, even if Diggs had never done anything else. Adams has not I done would, it three years, though. This was his best year by far. Who? Adams. This was his best year by far. It, because it of the was touchdowns. his best year by far. He did it for 12 games. But he didn't do... But he Okay, if you just look at points per game... I think I'm looking at PPR, 25.7 last year, and Diggs was at 20.5. Adams was better That's than that. That's not even close. No, it's not, but it was all touchdowns. I mean, legitimately, it was it was the touchdowns. It was 10 right. more so touchdowns. so wouldn't you rather have a receiver that gets a lot of touchdowns? But and we that's don't. been something that's been consistent with Devontae Adams yes, since w- he's been in Green Bay catching passes from this quarterback? Yes, I would, but Diggs... Has more touchdown potential than what he showed last year. I'm making the case. Not as much touchdown. It's not reasonable to say he has the same touchdown potential, I don't think, as Adams and Hill. Because they have shown year over year over year. (laughs) I agree with you too. I'm just I'm just trying to give my give our listener a little. little It's not gonna be it's not gonna be surprising if Diggs catches ten or eleven touchdowns. But that's kind of what you expect from Devontae Adams. It also wouldn't be surprising if Diggs finished up with six or seven touchdowns. Which, if Devontae Adams finished with six or seven touchdowns, you'd wonder, well, what happened and why did he only play eight games? And I want to clarify, I wasn't saying that Devontae Adams had done what he did last year for basically the last three years. I was saying he's done what Stephon Diggs did last year in terms of fantasy production for basically the last three years. Adams in PPR finishes wide receiver one twice, wide receiver six once, and wide receiver 12 over the last four years. In the year he finished wide receiver 12, Aaron Rodgers was hurt for a huge chunk yeah, but of the in, year. Yeah, but last year... Stephon Diggs, Diggs, no Diggs averaged three more fantasy points per game in 2020 than Devontae Adams did in 2019. So yes. let's not just completely... Fr- I'm arguing against myself here because I agree with you guys, but I don't think it's a horrible email here. Uh, and Daniel Jones did graduate with a degree in economics. We're going to be playing poker. He's going to need it in a couple of years. <laughs> We're going to be playing poker Tuesday night on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash fantasy football today, 7 p.m. Eastern. Come join us. Uh, this is courtesy of Faded Spade. Faded Spade Virtual Poker has helped nonprofits and corporations with, philanthrop- with philanthropic fundraising, customer engagement, and employee connectivity. Uh, Faded Spade Virtual Poker has um, helped raise nonprofits over $5 million since last year. Learn more at fadedspade.com. Uh, and it's a really great place to play poker as well. You'll see on youtube.com slash fantasy football today, tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Eastern. It's Tuesday night. And we're going to be giving away two free sets of cards during the show. So, uh, yeah, join us. Subscribe to the channel. And we'll see you on youtube.com slash fantasy football today, Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Offensive line upgrades. The Jets signed offensive tackle Morgan Moses, Morgan Moses excuse me, who Washington released for cap reasons not long ago. And Pittsburgh signed Trey Turner. 
And David DeCastro, the longtime starting guard, he might retire. He needs ankle surgery. He won't play this year for the Steelers. Did we talk about Najee Harris at all in regards to this? Um, We've been talking about it ever since he got drafted by the Steelers. But like, this is just another little ding. Like, no, is it? I think that Trey Turner's not really been good. Last year he wasn't good. I can look up his grades. He was, I think it was David Castro has been pretty much regarded as better than Trey Turner, hasn't he? I think both of them were not graded high last year. Trey Turner was. They they were both excellent in their day. Turner was hurt yes. a lot last year, as I recall. He was, All a, right. he was a ma- the, massive the run flop. blocking grades for DeCastro plummeted after 2017. Okay. Like, he was like at an all pro level. And then 2018, 2019, they were bad. It got worse in 2020. His pass blocking was fine, but his run blocking wasn't good. That's according to our friends at Pro Football Focus. I'm going to Trey Turner right now. Trey Turner last year, I believe it was the same thing. His run blocking grade was terrible, but yeah, like Adam said, he didn't really play a lot, and he hasn't really played consistently uh, for much of the last four seasons. But his, his grades were actually he he started his career in Carolina really strong, and then his, his grades have tapered off since then. So it's probably a bit of a downgrade. Obviously, just just by looking purely at his pass blocking grades, Trey Turner's have been poor compared to DeCastro's. And DeCastro was a good pass blocker as recently as last year. How many offensive linemen do the Steelers have who would grade just as like average? Can we Probably. just can we just say that can we just say that they have like none? They have a terrible. They have on paper what looks like a terrible. The worst offensive line. line, like awful, awful, awful. It's it's a sore spot. It's the only thing that's holding Najee Harris from being a top ten pick in fantasy. It, and he's close to that already. There are people that are ready to take him. He's twelfth in uh, best two. ball. He's twelfth in best ball right sure. now. Sure, sure. Can the talent overcome it? Can can his talent overcome? What they're doing, and, and some of it has to be. You've got to look at their the the line that they're building. They're going to be physical. They're going to use more power running scheme. Uh, maybe that'll help them because they're not going to do a lot of zone blocking. But we'll see. I, it's just funny because like conventional wisdom in the industry over the past few years has really shifted towards situation matters. Running back doesn't in most regards. There are certain running backs who definitely do. Um, and with Najee Harris, it's kind of like we're just ignoring the situation and his talent is going to have to overcome it. But when you say situation, that there are two, there are more than one. Uh, it's not just the offensive line. It's the touches. I think that's when people look at the situation well, look at the opportunity. To say it's a good situation for that, you would have to hope that they are going to go back to throwing to their running backs like they did before they had Juju, Deontay, it's Chase Claypool. That's going to happen. Yeah, I think people are banking on that happening. Right. Well, I mean, you just look at the track record of the offensive coordinator that's coming in, and they're just going to do things a lot differently than what they did last year. And here's a running back who can catch the ball out of the backfield and but they're, make plays. They're with talking it. about not throwing it short as often, but we're going to see more that's throws to running backs. Like I think that that's the thing that's going to well, continue is that they will continue to throw it short. But Heath, even if teams throw the ball deep, they still have. Like, can you think of a team that throws the ball deep and still throws to running backs? I mean, Tom Brady still threw to running backs last year. I know it wasn't like one guy, but there was Fournette was getting a lot of catches. Um, I don't know. Running backs can still have a role. Well, even yeah, on but Tom Brady has wide field. receivers who mostly succeed down the field. Uh, all right. 
Uh, it, okay. <laughs> the are you saying the Steelers receivers can't succeed down the field, or are you saying that the Steelers receivers don't have a quarterback that can help them succeed down the field? I don't know. Maybe both. I'm going to wrap this up here. The Jets, though, with Morgan Moses, that's an upgrade for them. Probably uh, it'll be. Yeah, a right that line tackle. used to suck. Yeah, it could be good. Could be yeah. good. That's that's a good pick. The Steelers should have signed him. Okay, let's get into our mock draft. Here we go. Remember the link to the ep- to the article is in the episode description. You can follow along there. 12-team league, full PPR, three receivers, two running backs, three receivers, and a flex. Heath had the third pick. I had the fourth pick, and Dave had the fifth pick. So how about that? Uh, I did a Twitter poll. Now, I'm not going to go through all the results. I will tell you round. I guess I'll just give you rounds one and two real quick. But next week, I want to do a live mock draft where we, then we can start really figuring, you know, get, going through the order. I'm not going to just read the results, but I'll give you rounds one and two. It was McCaffrey, Cook, and Henry with the first three picks. As an experiment, I took Kelsey fourth. We'll see how it played out. Dave took Kamara, then Barkley, Jonathan Taylor, Zeke, Eckler, Aaron Jones. The first 10 picks are nine running backs and Travis Kelsey, who went fourth overall. Tyree Kill was the first wide receiver taken. He was 11th, then Joe Mixon was 12th. Round two, Diggs, Chubb, Najee Harris, Cam Akers, DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams went with the sixth pick of the second round. Uh, Calvin Ridley went after that. I just hit a button, so give me a second. There we go. Calvin Ridley, Antonio Gibson, Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, and Terry McLaurin. Some young, look at that run of year two, year three wide receivers. Jefferson, Brown, nope, sorry, year two, then year three. Jefferson in year two, then A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Terry McLaurin. Okay, so that's uh, the first two rounds. I want to just talk about how we went about structuring our teams and so I put up a little Twitter poll since we had picks three, four, and five. He three, Adam four, Dave five. Which team had the best start in a full PPR league? Three wide receivers and a flex. Was it team A? Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, Titans fan, Keenan Allen, Mike Davis, and Mark Andrews. So that would I know be. That is. That would be Heath's team. Henry. Yeah. It's and, funny because Adam's team also looks a lot like one of my teams. <laughs> well, I wish it had been because I got the fewest votes. Uh, Henry and, and Mike Davis, A.J. Brown and Keenan Allen, Mark Andrews. Team B was my team. Kelsey, Jefferson, Swift, Jacobs, and Cup. So that would be uh, Swift and Jacobs, Jefferson and Cup, and Kelsey. And then Dave's team, Kamara and Gibson, then Kittle, then Woods and Deontay Johnson. So we each have two running backs, two wide receivers, and a tight end. Dave's are Kamara, Gibson, Woods, Deontay Johnson, and Kittle. And Dave won 46% of the vote. I got 20% of the vote. Heath got 34% of the vote. I was, I was going to guess that Heath won. That's interesting. I think Mike Davis in round four probably scares some people. Maybe. Um, Dave, Dave went running back, running back. Heath went running back receiver. I went tight end receiver. And again, Dave's team. I really liked your start, Dave. Kamara, Gibson, Kittle, Woods, Deontay Johnson. And that's that is an argument against taking Kelsey with a top five pick is that you can and you know you can even get Kittle a little later in the third round according to ADP if if you think they're close then you know Dave got Kittle in the third round but yeah all right so what do you what do you think about the way you started I loved it and it's it's probably the way I'm going to recommend that everybody start drafting their teams this year is just to go with running backs uh, early on 
when you've got a top five pick and we might be able to extend this to the top seven picks this year, you're going to find a running back that you'll love. Someone that has the potential to have big games every week, average north of 18 PPR points per game, come through with double digit touchdowns over the balance of the season, certainly be a candidate to score no matter who they play. Easy start option. Obviously your first round pick, you're going to start no matter who they play, but then you also want to find running backs that can come close to that or exceed that. Uh, as long as you can in the draft. And I think Gibson does have a chance. I think his upside is top five. And I know that sounds a little silly to say, but he scored a lot of touchdowns last year. His coaches are talking him up like he's improved as a player this year. I'm sure he's going to continue to see a lot of opportunities in this offense. And that offense should be better overall with Fitzpatrick under center, threatening downfield a little bit more. So Gibson's one of those running backs that I look at and say, okay, he's got that upside. I can get him in round two. Happy to take him. And then my strategy with tight ends is that if I can get one at a fair value or better, I'm going to go for one early. So when I was up at, at pick five in the first round, I didn't think Kelsey was a good value. He was gone he anyway, was gone, but even buddy. if he had been there, <laughs> uh, I, I don't think I would have taken him there. But I was absolutely – I would consider – Kelsey wouldn't make it back to me in round two, but Waller and Kittle, I would consider at my spot in round two, depending on what was left at running back. And Gibson was there. That was an easy call for me to take the running back ahead of the tight end. And I I wouldn't have been upset if I didn't see one of those tight ends make it back to me in round three. In fact, I wouldn't expect it to happen. And at that spot, I'd either go receiver if there's a great receiver left or just take the best available running back to really load up at that position. But I got lucky. I feel like I got lucky. I know the ADP says that Kittle is there in round three, but I, I'm I am thrilled to take him there and kind of issue the top 10 at wide receiver to get that stud tight end that's going to give me a positional advantage over the majority of the league. And in fact, I think I've got an advantage just because I've got these two great running backs that I think will catch a lot of passes and or score a lot of touchdowns, plus the tight end that should finish top three. If you had known when you picked Antonio Gibson in the second round that you could get Clyde Edwards-Elair in the third round because he went two picks after you took Kittle, mm-hmm. would you have maybe taken instead of you? Okay, so right, you took Kamara uh, in round one, then you took Gibson. If you had known Ceh would be there in round three, would you maybe have gone wide receiver there? Would you have taken Justin Jefferson or whoever your highest ranked receiver was at that point? I think it's Jefferson. Nope. nope. And then, so you'd rather have Gibson and Kittle than Edward Zeller and Jefferson. Jefferson and Edward Zeller. Yeah. But I also couldn't, I, you couldn't have guaranteed, maybe you could have guaranteed me that Edward Zeller no. would have been there in round three. Couldn't have guaranteed that. I mean, that he fell, I think he fell. Well, what's his ADP? Kittle's ADP apparently is right on to where I took him in uh, round three. We, yeah. You took him, what, 30th? And his ADP, I'm looking at NFC since June 1st, his ADP is 32nd. Okay, uh, and Ed- then Edward Zilaire? 24th, I think? 22nd. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So I'm obviously not valuing Edward Zilaire like the majority of the world is. Uh, I don't know but if that's, any of us that's are. that's just how I'm rolling. Uh, Heath, is this, what format is this for NFC? Is it PPR? Uh, half PPR. Half PPR. Uh, that makes a difference. And there's a lot of best ball drafts in there. Okay. Um. All right, so that's how Dave started his team. He did yep. not take a wide receiver until round four. Yep. You, took you the all, best available wide receivers in rounds four and five. You all can my home, sixth round pick on. is where I'm really happy. You can figure out if you like Dave's receivers enough in a three receiver league with a flex that's full PPR. He's got Robert Woods, Deontay Johnson, and T.Y. Hilton. 
And yeah, you found the weak spot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Michael Carter is his flex. His, his bench receivers are Paris Campbell, Gabriel Davis, and Jalen Rager. So, all right, that's Dave's No, no team. question. I've got work to do. Heath, how did you feel about your start? You came in second place in the poll. Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, Keenan Allen, Mike Davis, and Mark Andrews. I liked it, and I even after looking at it today, I still like it. But I do think that I kind of made Dave's team win the poll with a couple of decisions <laughs> that I made that are unpopular. Uh, one is Derrick Henry at three over Alvin Kamara. And if Drew Brees were still the quarterback, I would not do that. It's quite possible Jameis Winston starts 16 games, and I regret doing that. If Taysom Hill starts 16 games, I don't believe I will regret doing that. In fact, I think I will be very pleased that I did that. 17. Um, 17 games. Yeah, well, if, if Taysom Hill starts 16 games, I think that I'm, you're still going to regret it, <laughs> <laughs> regardless of who starts that 17th game. Okay. Um, but the, the more interesting decision, I think, is that we've talked about it. The third pick is um, it's frustrating. It really it doesn't feel like there's anybody who should go third to me. Uh, I'd rather have four or five. I can feel more justified. But the other decision was at the end of round two, I chose A.J. Brown over Darren Waller. And early in round three, I chose Keenan Allen over George Kittle. And I don't imagine that the second of those decisions is very popular. But I actually have, like, I had a little bit of strategy um, with both my two, three turns and my four or five turns. Keenan Allen was my top player available when I took A.J. Brown. Yeah, I was going to say, I was surprised you didn't take Keenan Allen ahead of, you just figured. I, I didn't think anybody else would. Yeah, you were right. Mm -hmm. And then Mark Andrews was my top player available when I took Mike Davis, but I didn't think anybody was going to take him. So, like, that worked out well for me, but I also, and, and I went and looked at it today because when I took Mark Andrews, the top wide receiver of, of mine available was Cooper Cup, and I thought that was a good pick by you in round five, Adam. But Thank for you. me, the difference between A.J. Brown and Cooper Cup is bigger than the difference between Darren Waller and Mark Andrews. The difference between Keenan Allen and Cooper Cup is different, bigger than the difference for me between George Kittle and Mark Andrews. So I'm going to take those top 10 wide receivers there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think the Mike Davis pick. So there was a run of running backs at the end of round four. Right after Dave took Robert Woods, I took Jacobs. He took Mike Davis, then it was Miles Gaskin, then it was Travis Etienne. I'm not sure if any of the four people who drafted there are like, yes, <laughs> I got my guy. I mean, I don't feel that way, but I, th I think Jacobs is fine. Uh, the running back who went before them was David Montgomery, and then it was three wide receivers, and then it was Jacobs, Mike Davis, Miles Gaskin, and Travis Etienne. So how, what were your emotions when you took Mike Davis as your RB2? Because when I took Josh Jacobs as my RB2, I was like, fine, it's, it's fine. I was still kind of flying high from the fact that I was going to have a team that I drafted this year that didn't have Josh Jacobs on it because you took him right before me. <laughs> because basically, Josh Jacobs' ADP in our mocks has been, when does Heath take him? Um, <laughs> and I don't, like, this is going to sound a little bit crazy, but in my full PPR projections, I project Mike Davis to score more points than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So... I'm pretty happy to get Mike Davis at the end of round four when Clyde Edwards is there is going in the middle of round three. Okay. And then let's see the how Heath's team played out. A little more conventional drafting than what, what Dave and I did because he took his tight end in round five. I took mine in round one. 
Dave in round three. And I uh, let's take a look at Heath's team here. Shraggy B, if you got it. Coming. Uh, all right. So Heath has uh, Joe Burrow. I didn't Man, go, my, I didn't go like through all of Dave's team, and I should have. And it's so much fun. I've got Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence. Right. Which means it's not that much of a weakness. I don't know if that's your weakness. I I think RB2 might be your weakness. I'm sorry. If you assume that Mike Davis plays well, is it? it it's not as big of a weakness. He, he drafted Mike Davis where you draft a number two running back. Yeah. Okay, so... Like, I feel like that's experiment. not the right weakness to, to point out. I don't know if there really is one. Read the team. Read the yeah, team. Yeah, all right, all right. Burrow, Derrick Henry, Mike Davis... Uh, A.J. Brown, Keenan Allen, and D.J. Chark. Mark Andrews, Robbie Anderson. Burrow and Lawrence are his quarterbacks. He also has Tevin Coleman, Darrington Evans, Melvin Gordon. Definitely could could be useful. And Latavius Murray, who got a chance to be incredible. Um, let's do a quick experiment here comparing my team to Heath since we both took... Uh, well, obviously you have Derrick Henry and I have DeAndre Swift, so it's a big difference there. But we both took our second running back. In round four, back-to-back, I took Jacobs, and you took uh, Mike Davis. Your other running backs, just for depth, are Coleman, Melvin Gordon, and Latavius Murray. Mine are Mostert, Drake, Madison, and Pollard. Dave, do you see a big difference in either of those uh, stables? Yeah, I don't like Heath's running back depth. I think, I think you have better depth than I do. I think it's. I think that's the the first glaring weakness, but that's a weakness, and I'm using air quotes that I think everybody can live with. When you, when you're putting your fantasy team together, okay, so I don't have great running back depth, you know. Yeah, he, really, I, I, I know that he can live with that. that because I think he's. I think he's good at receiver. I think he got very fortunate with getting Keenan Allen when he did. Um, and no complaints about Robbie in the flex. We'll see about Chark as a third receiver. He's fine. Or you could put Chark in the flex and put Robbie as your third receiver. You could put Antonio Brown in the, in the third And receiver. I was going to get to AB. Like, that's a great receiving core. Yeah. That kills my receiving core. Yeah, so why? So I think the difference in our teams is the back-to-back picks in round seven. You took Robbie Anderson, and I took Raheem Mostert. And I just feel a little better having another running back option since. But but you do have Derrick Henry. I had Swift as my RB1. I had Swift and Jacobs, then I took Mostert in round seven. You have Henry and uh, Mike Davis. And when, I mean, Bobby Anderson, th- I think, clearly has a higher floor um, than Raheem Mostert in PPR. Sure. Um, and I'm just not sure, like, if everything goes right for Robbie Anderson, everything goes right for Raheem Mostert, I think I'm still starting Anderson over Mostert most weeks. In full Adam, PPR. Adam's receiver depth is very shaky with John Brown, Amari Rogers, and Terrace Marshall. Uh, yeah, that's pretty bad. That being said, you're starting three receivers, Jefferson, Devontae Smith, Cooper Cup. They're awesome. Well, but maybe. If Mostert, if, Mostert doesn't, if Mostert doesn't get the job done, you're going to have a problem at flex. And if one of your other running backs doesn't get the job done, on top of that, you're you're going to have holes for days in your lineup. It's you guys like Mostert and Drake a lot more than Melvin Gordon? Mostert. I, I think I've got them all very close together. Not Drake is third for sure. Yeah, I like Gordon ahead of Drake. I didn't take Drake ahead of Gordon, did I? No, I was just saying like we were comparing depth, and my best bench running back is Melvin Gordon. I think yours are Mostert and Drake. Uh, Mostert, unfortunately, is a starter for me. He's a flex. Oh, right. So yeah. your number one backup running back is Kenyon Drake? Mm-hmm. 
and mine is Melvin Gordon. But no, but that's not entirely true because I could use Gord. I could use Mostert at, at running back and put a wide receiver okay. flex. Okay, yeah. no. So Mostert, it's Mostert versus Gordon. I guess in theory, yes. But but you have Robbie Anderson, and I have yeah, right. I have Mostert. Uh, right. But right, I I, di- I guess I prioritize running back a little bit more because I was weaker at running back. And um, when that, did you take a quarterback? Russell Wilson in round seven, I believe. So that's the. I think that's a big part of the difference. Uh huh. You have. Bur- I took him in round eight. Russell Wilson in round eight, and you took Burrow in round twelve. And, and then Trevor Lawrence in round, 13. in round thirteen. Right. So maybe what Heath has proved is that if you are going to take tight end, and we've talked about this before, like when you we used to say you can't take a quarterback in a tight end with your first five picks. Yeah, I didn't. So I no, took Wilson. And neither in round did eight. I, but I did in my first six picks. I didn't. <laughs> and I think that that I I think if you do commit to taking a tight end early, you should probably wait on quarterback. I because think Wilson we, we in round say eight Joe is Burrow waiting. is Heath's weak spot, but it's not really. Like he did good. Burrow and Trevor Lawrence as a combo platter at quarterback is it's totally fine to start the season. Uh, all right. So with those are picks three, four, and five. What if you had a later pick? How did some of those later teams look? Um, some different ways to start. I looked at picks 10, 11, and 12. Pick 10 was David Mendelson, a guest drafter with us. Pick 11 was Samantha Praviti, another guest. And pick 12 was Dan Schneier. So pick 10 looked like this. This was the first six picks for pick 10. Uh, Running back, running back, running back was the start. Aaron Jones, Najee Harris, Chris Carson, DJ Moore, whose phone is ringing? It's my house phone. (laughs) No one's active enough to go get it right now. Your what phone? You have a house phone? (laughs) We still have a house phone. Like what? Telemarketers, (laughs) we like to talk with them. All right. uh, The kind you plug into a wall? Yes. Holy cow. Okay, so I'm sorry. Um, pick ten, Aaron Do you really Jones. Want me to get into why or not? No, no. no. God, Good. I want to get into pick ten. Aaron Jones, Najee Harris, Chris Carson, DJ Moore, Brandon Ayuk, Kyler Murray. That's how pick ten started his team. Uh, pick eleven went wide receiver, running back, running back. It was Tyreek Hill, Nick Chubb, Miles Sanders, Amari Cooper, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Dallas Goddard. And pick 12 was Mixon Diggs, Julio Jones, Chris Godwin, Chase Claypool, Josh Allen. So that's Dan Schneier who took one running back of those first six picks. And he loaded up at receiver Diggs, Julio, Godwin, Claypool, and then Josh Allen. I want to see what he did at running back. I don't think I like, because I kind of like the one running back early and then build everything else. I don't think I like doing that and also punting tight end. I didn't like. I, I guess it's like the Claypool pick. Maybe I didn't like. Just is there a running back you could have taken there? Mm, not really. I mean, when he took Claypool, it was another full round. Basically, it was eleven picks until another running back went, and it was Chase Edmonds and Javante Williams. His RB two is uh, Damian Harris. So this team for Dan Schneier picking twelfth was Josh Allen, Mixon, and Damian Harris. Diggs, Godwin, Julio Jones, Claypool at flex, Robert Tunyon at tight end, and the Browns DST. That's good. He also has Trey Sermon, Giovanni Bernard, Jamal Williams. Um, he has Tyler Higby, who I think a lot of us will have ahead of Tunyon. Um, Michael Gallup. Yeah, I don't know. I don't love it. Because, like, yeah, as you said, Heath, we have one running back. We also doesn't have a, any elite tight end. Yeah. 
there are enough question marks about Godwin and Julio Jones and Chase Claypool. I don't think they're all three of them are going to hit. I think one thing you take from this is it's not very fun to pick 12th. I, yeah, I, but like, that's the I case, like picking 12th. No matter what, what you do. He, what His strategy was probably just taking the best available players each time he was up, and he made sure to get one running back that he could build around. The modified zero RB, as the kids call it. He also went modified zero quarterback and modified zero tight end because <laughs> he drafted one of them. Well, he had Josh well. Allen. Right, so, okay, the price he paid for loading up at wide receiver and getting Joe Mixon was to get a low-end starter at tight end and quarterback. Look, or not could... quarterback, at tight end, I should say. And at number two running back. Quarterback, he did pretty good. But that's, again, part of the price that he paid. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, it could work out, except... It's going to work out if he finds another running back. That's really what it comes down to with modified zero no. RB, is that you're going to load up at all the other positions, which he did at quarterback and wide receiver, and one running back No, spot. but that's the thing. It, it, we cannot forget... Could he have taken Chase Edmonds over Chase Claypool no, and felt better about his Dave, life? we Maybe. cannot forget how bad Joe Mixon was last year. Uh, we can't sit here and look at this team and say, oh, he drafted Joe Mixon. He's totally fine at RB1. You know? Uh, it's, that's a different conversation. But that's part of it. If you're going to go with this 1RB approach, you've got to feel pretty damn good about your 1RB. And He could have had Chubb. He could have had Akers. He could have had Najee. Could have taken, he could have taken Gibson if he really had conviction over Gibson. He obviously had conviction over Mixon. Conviction. He should have conviction. taken, should have taken uh, Devontae Adams. Should have done. Well, let's say he had. If he started with Adams and Diggs, when he's up in round three, who are the available running backs for him to take? So if you push every... David Montgomery was the best running back on the board. Josh Jacobs, Mike Davis, Miles Gaskin. If you push every running back down one, because he would not have taken Mixon. Who's to say that somebody that took a receiver wouldn't have taken a running back? I mean, maybe, but Miles Sanders and David Montgomery could have potentially been his two picks. In rounds okay. three and four. If he had gone digs... If you feel good about those guys, Adams. then yeah, you could have done that. Well, I'm just saying he should have taken Adams over Diggs. <laughs> he didn't have to take both Adams and Diggs, but he should have taken Devontae Adams. Um, okay, uh, let's see. Some I wanted to look at the wide receiver battles. We'll do that in a minute. Uh, we'll talk about the Bengals wide receivers, the Cowboys wide receivers, the Niners, the Jaguars, and, and uh, players like that, and where those guys went. I'll get your thoughts on that uh, when we come right back on Fantasy Football Today. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, we're back. Here we go. 
Reviewing this mock draft, 12 teams, PPR, three receivers, and a flex. So where do the Bengals wide receivers go? Jamar Chase, round five. Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins back-to-back in round seven. Boyd with the first pick of round seven, Higgins with the second pick of round seven. Chase round five, then Boyd and Higgins in round seven. Heath? I think in full PPR, I like the value on all of those. I have Chase at 50th, so the very, very early in round five. I have Boyd and Higgins both at like 66 and 67. I do currently in full PPR have Boyd one spot ahead of Higgins. That feels like something that might change, and I might just not be able to pass up the upside of Higgins, especially if we get more steam on this Jamar Chase playing more in the slot. I think that would be very, very bad for Tyler Boyd. Yes. Can, can I uh, take a quick detour here? Uh, I forgot yeah. to do something important. Oh, um, we're giving away our spots on the Scott Fishbowl. So here are the winners. Oh. <laughs> Make sure I have them. Just out of nowhere here. Yeah, I, oh, well, I completely forgot. At J-E-P-O-D-E. Yeah. Okay. At Jones 53 Yep. At G.J. Eckert. G.J. Eckert. Yep. At live. Is he related to Austin Eckert? Mm-hmm. Live from Kevin. At live from Kevin. And at Logan Ridenauer 2. Congratulations, Ridenauer, Ryan. I think. I'm going to go Ridenauer. <laughs> I think you're going to be wrong. <laughs> I usually am. Okay. So those are the Bengals wide receivers. How about the Cowboys wide receivers, Dave? Amari Cooper, second pick of the fourth round. That's 38th mm-hmm. overall. CeeDee Lamb, four picks later. And Michael Gallup, we never really talk about. Uh, last pick of round nine. Seems right about where I would expect them all to go. Cooper had a lamb. Most of the time, that's what you're going to see, and they'll be no more than 10 picks apart. And then Michael Gallup will be much later on in the draft. Where did they go again, the first two? Round four, second pick of round four, and then four picks later. Cooper, second pick, and then Lamb, four picks later. Yeah, I think if my choice is at those those costs, I may just take Gallup. Gallup is... He went right after Corey Davis and before Devontae Parker. Yeah, I, I, um, I'm kind of coming around. I definitely like Gallup better than those two. Um, so it's been, uh, it's been about two full seasons of Cooper and Prescott. If you just look at the last eight games of 2018, then all of 2019, and then the first six of 2020. His 16-game pace, Amari Cooper, 16-game pace, 91 catches, 1,247 yards, eight touchdowns on 133 targets. 91 catches, 1,247 yards, eight touchdowns. Do you think either Cooper or Lamb gets that production this year? Per 16 games, I guess. No, I think Cooper is the one in line to get it because he's demonstrated it. And I... I think it's going to be a lot of zone coverage against this Cowboys defense. I think the teams aren't going to man him up very often. You can't. I don't think. Well, you can't. It depends on your personnel and how good your front four are. But um, I, I, I just have a feeling that Cooper is still going to be a primary target for Dak. And I think that CeeDee Lamb will still be a primary target for Dak, which makes me nervous about Gallup, even at the round nine price. I actually right. have Gallup as a round 10 pick. 
Brandon Ayuk, let's look at the Niners. Brandon Ayuk in round five, just after Jamar Chase, Kenny Galladay, and Tyler Lockett. And then Debo Samuel in round seven. Again, I like Ayuk better than Samuel, but if they're two rounds apart, I'd probably rather take Debo. All right, I'll be... uh, I'll get the debate going. Debo Samuel was one of my least favorite picks. Same. It was Ben Gretsch's pick. I told him, actually, <laughs> while we were doing In round show. seven? Yeah, I didn't like it. He went just after Beckham, just before Brandon Cooks, Will Fuller, Jarvis Landry. Okay, I, 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 would, I would much rather have Cooks than Debo. Yeah. Um, Cooks is one of my favorite picks. But I would, I would strongly prefer Debo to Odell Beckham. Uh, I can't do that. Not me. But even even it. with all the horrors that are Odell Beckham's stats over the past several seasons, I still think that he he can return better value as a number three receiver than Debo can. I I see Ayuk ascending. I see Kittle being healthy. I see a quarterback question mark where once the 49ers flip the switch to Trey Lance, then maybe all bets are off for all three of those pass catchers. But Debo, to me, is someone who... It is going to get schemed up a little bit more to get work, but it's not going to be a lot of work. He's in that five to six target per game range, whereas I think Ayuk is a little bit better than that and Kittle's a lot better than that. And I'm nervous that he's going to underwhelm as a as a top even like eight round pick. I think I'm, I have. The, I don't I, think I'm drafting Debo this year based on ADP. I think I have Beckham and Debo pretty close in terms of receiving production. It's just the rushing production for Debo. And I don't think like you can't count on what exactly it's going to be, but I would expect he's going to score 15 to 20 more points than Beckham does in the running game. My issue with Debo is that there has not been a Niners player with more than five touchdowns under Kyle Shanahan. And I, I just can't see him doing it. I can't see him having more than five touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Of course it could happen. You know, could always be wrong about those things, but if that's his upside, what's, what's his upside? <laughs> yeah. I just, I just don't, see it happening and I don't see three good good players in this passing offense on the Niners and I believe pretty strongly in the other two guys I, yeah, I think this is more about me thinking Odell Beckham was drafted too high than thinking that Debo fell too far where did Odell go well, so the, uh, just before him so let's go to the Browns then Beckham and Landry were both round seven picks Landry went five picks after Beckham I'll tell you one thing I really have noticed about Beckham with the Browns is he has been he doesn't get a ton of targets we know that but he has been a matchup-dependent guy, and he's had a pretty tough schedule. Uh, he played, what, five games last year? He faced Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Washington, and he struggled against them. He had 74 yards and a touchdown against the Bengals. He had a huge game against the Cowboys. And that's basically what he was in 2019, too. He had one of the toughest schedules. Um, so that's something That's going to happen playing in the AFC North. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'd rather know I'd rather like know when to start and sit a guy because I think if he has a good matchup, he's showing he can be really good. And then on the other hand, with Landry, if you look at Beckham, Beckham is the most injury prone wide receiver in football. So Landry on draft day may not look that great, but he's one injury away from being the number one target on the team. How did that work out last year? It was interesting. Um, he got a lot of touchdowns toward the end of the season. If you recall, after Beckham got mm-hmm. hurt, they had a series of terrible weather games. Terrible. And then Baker Mayfield got a lot better later in the year. And in the last six games of the season, I think it was, Landry was uh, kind of a stud in a deceiving way because he didn't have a ton of yards per game. Well, he did because he had one huge game. But then he had like a lot of like 60-yard games. He kept scoring. Um, I'd take that 
in the seventh round. I think it was like the second to last pick of the seventh round too. It, that worked. That was definitely worth it there. So I don't know. What do you guys? Is round seven good for the Browns guys? Too early for me. I, I've got I've got Odell and Landry both outside of the first seven rounds. So I think you'd have to be pretty reachy to not pretty reachy, a little reachy to get Odell there. Definitely to get Landry there. We used to say that Landry was always a good value no matter where you took him, but I'm not sure if he was last year because you might have started him early in the year and he disappointed you. And then when Odell got hurt, you probably started Landry again and he let you down. Maybe the weather played a factor. And then once you said, okay, no more Jarvis Landry, then he started to perk up. We'll see. We'll, we'll see how he does. But I, I think he's like, uh, I don't know, Adam. I, I, I think he's at best a number three fantasy receiver. I think you can find, you can draft wide receiver threes in round seven, but the kind that you get there, you're hoping have a little bit more upside than what Landry gives you. Okay. And like, I think, I think Beckham has five games in Cle- his Cleveland career under 30 yards receiving and two games over 100. I'm just not sure that he's as good as he used to be. And it's a very, very low pass volume team and their defense got even better. So I don't think that's going to change. Um, they have a lot of other, other receivers that they like there too. Right. Like if Adam's right about the schedule and Beckham's 100% week one, we've got a lot of ifs and ands. Mm-hmm. He starts off with the Chiefs and then the Texans. Like you could just get two good games from Beckham and then trade him. Yeah. I don't know about the Chiefs because, uh, I, I, no, I don't either. Sneed is their second year cornerback. He's got the potential, I think, to be kind of a lockdown guy. The reason I say the Chiefs is I think the Browns are going to have to throw it 35, yeah. 40 times. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, right. I, I, look, I, I think I've kind of come to the conclusion. I like. I feel like I like Beckham a little bit if I can get him in round eight or later for sure. But uh, I know he's just not a... He, if you're like, oh, this could be someone I start every week, I think the chances are pretty small. But if you think that he's a matchup guy, then, hey, you might be able to kind of play the matchups and get a good player, sometimes at least. Okay, let's go to the Jaguars, guys. DJ Chark in round six, LaVisca Chenault in round eight, Marvin Jones with the last pick of round 10. Heath, Chark in six, Chenault in eight, Jones in 10. Mm, yeah, like Chark I took. That's right where I've got him. So <laughs> I feel pretty good about that one. I I currently still have Marvin Jones ahead of Chenault. And so I like Marvin Jones' value there a lot more than I do Chenault's. I'm the same. And um, Will Fuller in round seven, Jalen Waddle seven picks later in round eight. For the Dolphins. Fuller in round seven, seven picks later, Jalen Waddle. I'm fine with Fuller in round seven. I probably prefer to wait a little bit longer on Waddle, but if you if you like him, you got to have him, then round eight is the time to take him. I have them both in round seven, but I would rather take Waddle. There's a chance that Waddle plays 16 games and it's good. 17 games. Yeah, <laughs> I'm telling you, we need, a, we need a swear jar every time you say 17 games or anyone. Uh, John Brown in round 10, Henry Ruggs with the first pick of round 12. I just so you know, I take John Brown in every draft. <laughs> um, yeah, I I don't know that I've drafted a Raiders wide receiver this year. They're bench guys. You're hoping that Brown can be what Aguilar was for a span of last year. Right. That's as long as he stays healthy for it. Ruggs has all kinds of upside. Like that Ruggs is a great dart throw 
to be impatient with. Like if, if you see in the first couple of weeks of the season that he's just not that guy for the Raiders, you can drop him. They're not a bad passing offense. You know, Derek Carr is like a 4,200 yard guy. Per They're going to be throwing games. a lot too, because their defense is miserable. Yeah, It's just that every year they're towards the bottom of the league and the percentage of their targets that go to wide receivers. Yeah. Well, if it's only one wide receiver, Aguilar was useful last year. So I think, I think basically Aguilar, if you got that kind of production, that's worth a tenth round pick, and that's where what I kind of odds around. can I get on Hunter Renfro leading the Raiders wide receivers and targets? I give you pretty good. I give you a four to one. Four to one. He was only five targets behind Aguilar last year. Let's go four to one. Four to one yeah. deal. Okay, Dave, how much should we bet? Um, uh, oh, I, I thought we were betting like. I, I would have been Mythical. like double that at least. Oh, I'm taking Dave's odds. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Colts, Michael Pittman, first pick of round nine, T.Y. Hilton, round 10. I like T.Y. as a bench receiver, and unfortunately I had to draft him as my number three receiver. Pittman um, is the one that's got the upside. I absolutely love both of these values, and I'm trying to figure out why neither of these guys are on my team. It's funny, Pittman basically had one good game last year. <laughs> it's uh, he's he's big. Uh, he, it's the type of receiver that Wentz gravitated towards. Is it in though? Philadelphia. Because his yes. his a dot was like eight yards. He's not. He was not a downfield guy at all last year. As a rookie, no. They used him a lot on shallow stuff. And they used him in the slot last year. Not. He was more outside, but they used him in the slot. Um, maybe he could be a different guy. He's not a burner, but he looks fast. He looks like he's got good speed when you watch him. <laughs> He had a pretty slow 40 time. But I don't know if he's a fit for Wentz because he was he was an underneath guy last year, so he's going to have to change his style. Uh, he wasn't an underneath guy at USC. Somebody so sent me an article about uh, T.Y. About Hilton being the uh, a really good fit with Carson Wentz while I was on vacation. I didn't actually read it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Heath, how was your vacation? Uh, it was really good. I uh, went camping for a night. I smoked some brisket. I smoked some burnt ends. Um, did a lot of a lot of great things. I love your commitment to it because you could easily say I put some brisket and burnt ends on the smoker, but you know it's just there's just an effect when you say I smoked some, and then people are like, and then they hear you know the food. What did Heath smoke on vacation? Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, did you go anywhere? Uh, I went camping for a night, but no, I didn't go anywhere. Okay. I think I want to take a vacation. A little, little vacation. I think I'm going to Boston in July, so. Oh, why? That's awesome. Yeah. Have you been there? Great time. I've been there for like a day. Okay, it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be there, I think, for a week, so. Adam, did you go into the New York City? Like I you did. said you would? I did not. Ugh. Yeah, I know. I know, but my friend, I did have a friend come over, which was fun. Um... It was really, it was fun to see my friend who is from San Francisco, so don't get to see him often. We saw some live music in the park. We had a very nice weekend. It's good stuff. All right, uh, everybody, enjoy your day. And we'll talk to you on Tuesday as we look at the top five backfield battles that we're keeping an eye on heading into training camp and heading into 2021. For Schrager and Richard and Cummings, I'm Adam Azer. Yeah, I'm Azer. CBS Friday, TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. 
They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. You speak. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.